When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I have a really, really special person sitting here next to me, and his name is Chris. Hello. Yeah. So Chris is super special to me because we met in the rooms of Mm -hmm. 12-step. And we instantly bonded because we had the same sober date. Yeah. Yep. 2018, February 10th. Yep. Well, mine was actually February, February 9th. So it was the day before, but it was oh, in the it was same. so close. It was, it, and, and it was basically, I always counted it as this, it's two days apart. Right. And it's such a big shift. But we were in the rooms together and in those first couple of years of recovery, uh, really bonded. He's young enough to be my son. So we took him into our family as being a family and he connected immediately with my kids, especially with my uh, younger son, Bodhi, who also is in one of these episodes and then became a singer in the band with my husband. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Bodhi and Chris did a whole bunch of music because you're a musician as well. Yep. And videos and just really entwined in life together. And then when COVID hit, you got the pull to go back home. Yep, it was... And I feel like that was kind of looking for an excuse to go back there um, at that point, too. Mm -hmm. And the job that I was working at was pretty, um, it was exhausting. And I'll just leave it at that. But you know what that was like, because you were seeing me come over on a weekly, more than weekly basis. Which was working at a treatment center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. So the reason why this is really exciting because Chris is living in uh, the East Coast and is here for a, a little journey and his day opened up where he could stop by and he surprised us mm-hmm. with um, knocking on the door and we were home and he has a pretty profound story to tell about his life and and his recovery and his story and I just really asked him if he would come share it because this is not an easy path and these choices that we make to do this spiritual work to do this recovery work to have emotional sobriety is not a straight line yeah and it's and the reason I'm sitting here with you right now is because of that it's because of that work and it's because of the gifts that come with actually opening up to people and going through the process of recovery and uh I was like walking up tonight surprising you guys it feels like such a strange thing to do within the age of cell phones I'm like I should should I call should I tell I'm like no I'm just gonna go and surprise awesome. them and um it's so good to be sitting here with you right now and I had just kind of told Rachel and Rich the whole story of of the last few months and what it's been like going back to where I came from and back to where you know my addiction has its roots and um yeah I, I guess also just it was so beautiful having somebody in that you know because I was here in Colorado for you know two and a quarter years and when we were first in that meeting together mm-hmm. it was the small it was, it was small. It was just a couple of a uh, couple of people, so we kind of got to know each mm-hmm. other on a more intimate basis than normally when you go to a meeting and right. there's just a few more people. There's people in and out, and it was just starting up, and it was like, okay, this is core. And so, after like six months or so, that was like a family, right? And yeah, it was it was really the gifts the gifts of of this journey came pretty quick. So when you were here before, um, before you left, we talked a lot about sobriety and we Mm -hmm. talked a lot about the power of recovery and you're an incredibly spiritual person. And we really connected on that deep level of sort of that, that really wanting to explore a deeper spiritual level. But you had stated, I remember you standing in my kitchen and saying that you weren't sure Mm -hmm. if this was your last drink. Yeah. And that's like one of the, you know, because you, you guys, you and Rich have become, and Bodie and Alex are all, you're really like family. And that's so strange for me because there's pe- certain people that I just, I, I, I don't open up to everybody mm-hmm. in the way that I have this, it's unfolded. And it was like, you know, it, first it was you and me and we got to know each other and Alex can't, you know. And um, then when when Rich called me to be in the band, it was like uh, it was just like it was just one of those universal things. And so by the time I'm sitting at your house for Thanksgiving and I'm the only person that's not in the family, like, (laughs) oh, this is perfect. I'm right at home. There was not one like strange feeling, you know, and that's like one of the most it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I with that being said, I tell you guys everything. Mm -hmm. You know, so other people like the people I was working with, people that, um, you know, in the recovery world, I, just, I wouldn't say that to everybody. 
but I told I told you I was and I was like, yeah probably not the last and for and that coming from somebody who's in the rooms and working a twelve step program that's not a good thing to be saying you know it's an honest thing it's not yeah it's an honest thing to be saying because we I mean what we're getting to in this is is Chris wanted to share with us what's happened in his life since he went back and and sort of that journey of what it is and I think that honesty with yourself if you can't be honest with yourself then it's not going to work so no. that piece i mean what we were talking about earlier was one of the reasons why you went into recovery in the first place wasn't that your life was unmanageable is that you had health issues yeah that were yeah. um that were precedent about why you needed to go to treatment and it wasn't like me where i had just drank myself to the place where i was like this is clearly not working for me anymore yeah right so then you go back east and what was the what was the spark that made a change in your life or the the path that led you to back, back into into drinking again? To, to picking up a mm -hmm. can of uh, what was it? It was a White Claw. It was like, <laughs> Never had one of these. Everybody's talking mm, about them. Right. <laughs> right. Not worth it. <laughs> you know, but um, I mean, I think that my relapse had started so much earlier mm. and it had started months earlier than me telling you. Right. And cause I had, you know, working in recovery there, I was only a year and a half sober when I first started working as a BHT, a behavioral health tech in a treatment center. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough job to be around to be around addicts and alcoholics all the time. And then also, you know, have to maintain your own recovery program. Right. And so everybody warns you, um, in the rooms like that, you, you know, watch out for going into the world of recovery. You can't make the, your job, your, you know, your program. Right. And I knew that I heard it. I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm going to maintain a strong program mm -hmm. and I'll be able to do this job. And it was I held it, it held true for a little while. But then I took a, a different position, which was a live in manager um, position. And I was, in a, you know, it's the, just there all the time, there all the time. But my responsibility list was just wide open, too. And right. I was trying to do a lot of work that was just over. I wasn't qualified to be doing it at that time you know uh, it was a learning experience and I'm really glad I went through it but I pretty you know after a couple months I definitely had stopped going to meetings at least on a regular basis because I just didn't want to be around uh struggling alcoholics and drug addicts and as, you, had, you know and you had shared that part of that as well was that that in anonymity that can come from being in meetings that it it oh. didn't feel safe to share as much anymore. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about that until you just brought that. That is to was totally such a big because every meeting I would go to, there was always somebody mm -hmm. that was connected somehow. So I couldn't speak about what I was going through because I I was a f I didn't want the clients to hear uh, that I was struggling. Right. I didn't want them to know what I was thinking about. Because they, you know, people will use it against you. And the world word spreads quick. It's just what it right. is. And it's within the community. And, and, you know, clients are people that are just getting getting there. They're, you know, and so there's a lot of them in the rooms. And I just felt like I couldn't really share about what was going on. 
So then you get to New York, you start this new job, you get back with your in your situation mm-hmm. that was your previous party situation, some of your previous party friends. Did you start going to meetings right away when you got there? Did you get a program when you got there? Nope. You mean the grand excuse of COVID. Right. But there is no in-person meetings. And I hadn't been, I did a couple of Zoom meetings when I was living mm-hmm. back here. And I just got, I was in getting into a bad way. And there was in the beginning, a lot of people were like bombing the meetings and saying, mm-hmm. you know, just coming in and, and just, just tr- you know, there was one time where I really needed a meeting and it was bombed by all these people. And so all these people were speaking over and, you know, Mm. and so I just, I mean, I, I was not in a good way, but I I let that kind of generalize and be like, yeah, I'm not going to do Zoom meetings, you know? And so when I got back there, um, I didn't get a program and I didn't go into it right away. And it was kind of a hazy period because it was right before I decided that I, you know, was going to, Drive to drive to Seven Eleven and pick up a six pack of White Claws or whatever it was in that specific moment. But um, yeah, it was. I mean, there was also there was also an added thing. My I got back to New York and you know I love I love my parents, um, but my dad is also a struggling addict and alcoholic and uh, wrestles with some mental illness, which is you know. It's just, it's what it is. And he was just in a really bad way. And um, so me being in such a vulnerable position too, I kind of used it, you know, Mm -hmm. we, I got back there and it was, it was really tough to see him, but we got him to treatment. He went to treatment and um, you know, that day that he went to treatment, I went to work and uh, I, after work, I just, I just drove to seven 11 and it was almost like um, I knew the decision that I had made. I knew it. It was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. But it was like I was watching myself go. Right. It was like I was in the third person, and that was like unconscious. I was just like robotic. When- and that's the addict, right? Like we talked about how there's that aspect of ourselves. We have our <coughs> spiritual aspects of ourselves, and then we have the addict. And if the addict gets a, a little micro crack, yeah, you know, that we were talking about the dimmer switch, right? Oh, that yeah. Like, that, like there's a switch when you, when you have that switch that just says, I'm done. And then it's almost like a dimmer switch that it starts to raise and raise and raise and until all of a sudden, like, the lights are on. Yeah, <laughs> and th- it could go either way, right. right? So it could be like the switch when you're in it. You know, when you're struggling and you're drinking every day and the switch happens, it gets you sober. Right. Or it could be the switch that you turn it off. Right. And so this was the switch that I uh, I turned it off. And, um, you know, it was just... I And I don't put any of the blame on anybody but myself, of course. And it was saying my dad being in the way he was was just a kind of a straw mm-hmm. uh, that was on top of a, a, a mountain that was already coming down. So it was going to happen no matter what. If I went back and everything was jolly and my parents were like, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. I would have used that as like, oh, there, you know, there would have been some other (laughs) reason. It would have been a good reason anyway. Yeah. So then we were uh, when we were in the living room just now talking about it, that there is that piece where that euphoria and the like, oh, yeah, this is why, because it feels good. Um, And you had said that. That you were like, oh, I think I can handle this. I think I can just, you know, have a have a couple every once in a while. How long did that last? <laughs> it was uh, 
Well, I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, if this is, you know, if I can do this, you know, I'm just going to have a couple here, a couple there, mm-hmm. have a couple, you know, some fun times this summer. But I, I know my, I know myself and I know the severity of my illness. You know, I wasn't, I didn't, I had seizures for two, two years. And so right. for me to talk myself and I, I, this all also goes back to that, what you had said in the beginning too, about me when I got sober it was because of, because of health issues. So there was always, you know, the entire time I, I mean, I wasn't cause I was d- desperate. It wasn't because my mind had gotten to such a dark place. I was still having a good time, but I was just out of control. Mm-hmm. And Every level, you know, when I went from drinking on just weekends or a couple of days a week, probably four or five days a week for years and years and years to every day of the week. And that lasted for another four years or something. Mm-hmm. And every day of the week turned into earlier in the day and then into earlier than that. And I added, you know, then I was, all, you know, would be withdrawing and I could feel that, you know, and uh, then I needed coke to get me through to keep me working to keep Mm -hmm. me moving on and it was just like a machine but i still told myself like i'm you know i actually i was still having a good time that's like the truth (laughs) it's like i was and i remember it comes when your life is unmanageable to you right yeah i mean everybody else is watching it like oh my god but i was still like a jolly person to be around most of the time so a lot of people would still like hang out with me and be like chris i'm worried about you i'm like don't worry god (laughs) This it's all it's all good, but then the seizures started happening, and that you know added on a, a totally different dimension of the um, of the addiction that I wasn't expecting, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I I talked doctors out of it and said, you know, whatever. I changed my whole health for a long time. I was eating breakfast every day and running to the bar and jogging <laughs> everywhere I went. And so it'd be like four miles. I jogged the bar, show up all sweaty, throw my shirt on, you know, Budweiser and a shot. And, you know, what are you doing, man? And I was like, try not to have seizures. <laughs> Cause it's gotta be my, it's gotta be, you know, my diet, my lack of exercise. I think it's fascinating that for you, that was still not out of control. Cause looking from the outside, that's nuts. Oh, yeah. And for me, it was totally like, you know, it was all right. It was rock and roll. But and, but I mean, I I wouldn't and I believed it that like I could get around the seizure thing. Mm-hmm. I could do something else without putting down the drugs and and putting down the alcohol. But with all that being said, when I, I mean, the seizures got so bad and I alienated myself from ev- almost everybody around me. and I lost my job. I lost multiple jobs and people were high and I was just a total mess, but I still was like, you know, <laughs> still having a good, good well, time. Well, that's the addict that's telling you that yeah. it's fine. Yeah. And it was fine. And it was years. Like, that's what I knew then. And that's right. what I, I accepted myself to be. And then finally, somehow by the grace of the universe, by the grace of God, I had tried to not drink one day. And, um, I was like, Oh, let's see how this goes. And I didn't drink for the entire day until nine o'clock. And I was shaking so bad. I had taken Xanax that whole day to, you know, counter the the withdrawals. I didn't seize, uh, which was pretty amazing. But um, by nine o'clock at night, I just, with that robotic movement, went to the store. I picked up a 36-pack of Budweiser and I drank the 34 beers from nine o'clock to one in the morning. Wow. And um, I was like, okay, 
<laughs> I've, I can't stop on my own. And the only reason I was trying to stop is because my then girlfriend at the time um, said that she couldn't, you know, I was having seizures around her. And I, uh, and I, she was like, you know, I can't sleep next to you anymore. She's like, you could stay at my place, but if you stay at my place, I'm going to go to my mom's, you know, my mom's house. And that was kind of like a, Cause she didn't want to wake up with you dead. Next she was, her. she was watching, she was watching me all night, right. you know, and I'd start withdrawing at, you know, after a couple of hours and start, my legs would start shaking and sweating and would move up to the rest of my body. And she'd sit there while I was sleeping, shaking, withdrawing, just in horror, waiting for me to, you know, waiting to have to call the ambulance. So you, when you got to Colorado, we're kind of back and forth thing, but you get to yeah. Colorado and you do the, the rehab and you start, you, you live in sober living, you're working. What, what was the spiritual awakening that you had that you have been able to hold on to? So you're, you know, you've had this relapse, but there's this piece that came here yeah. about realizing that that doesn't have, that that isn't real. Like that party, Chris, is not the true heart of who you are. I mean, I think that realization was a gradual, was a gradual thing over the course of the, especially that first year and a half, mm -hmm. the first 18 months. Um, it was gradual, you know. I, the, one of the biggest things I, I talked to some people about was when I was in treatment, I was in there about three weeks and I was fighting everybody. I was just, every therapist, like, come at me, you know. I'm going to give you hell and make your day worse than it should be. Interesting. And so not who you are now. No, but it was where it was where I was. It, it's just where I was at. And mm -hmm. so anytime I heard somebody say something that I thought was bullshit or whatever, I just would go, I would just go after them and I just fight with those people of authority. And, but one day I, it, it was, it, it was just, it was strange. Those first few weeks mm -hmm. of coming out of that is just such a strange place to be. And um, one day I woke up and I was sitting in the courtyard at a treatment center and I just had this realization. I'm like, if I, uh, I, I got another 75 days here, I might as well, I might as well do, I might as well do this. I might as well actually like not waste my time, not waste anybody else's time and give this a try. And it, at first it was like, I'm going to show you, you know, to hear this about like a lot of people saying like, I'm going to show you, it doesn't work for me. Right. And then you, you decide to be willing to like, okay, I'm going to really, I'm going to really listen to what everybody's saying. I'm going to take this advice. I'm going to find a sponsor and I'm going to start doing this work. Mm -hmm. And by the time, you know, it was time for me to leave a dramatic shift had happened. Yeah. And just from doing the things in the 12 steps. And I remember thinking while I was still in treatment, like, why is this, why is this only for people with addiction issues? Right. You know? Like everybody, this is such a beautiful outline to open up people to the doors of spirituality. You know, you're not, it's not, you know, that it's not affiliated with any religion. So you can take whatever you want into it, mm -hmm. you know, but this That's is my whole thing. I think everybody could use, the, I, I couldn't believe the, it. the yeah. 12 steps to do spirituality, spiritual recovery. And like, I absolutely. think they, I think they can, I yeah, think any, you absolutely. know, absolutely. And so, uh, so then, so then yeah. being in it, I mean, I guess what I'm kind of coming to is that source of that connection 
of your inner being yeah. is when you're doing the work. So then yeah. you've said you've, you've, you got into a job that was draining. You moved away from your program. Mm-hmm. You moved to a, back to where all the patterns were the same. Yeah. You didn't step into a program again. Yeah. It felt overwhelming. And so the model is to go back to the solution that works for you. Go back to that immediate fix. Right. right? And I mean, that's the, that's the thing. That's like the alluring thing. That's always going to be alluring no matter what, you know, knowing that like, you know, that makes me feel better in that moment right then. Right. And it's immediate and it's, and it's, and I, I started to see it over those first 18 months as cheating. That's what I call it. Like, I'm going to go back to, you know, cheating life, like (laughs) cheating to get that feeling because if, you know, all of the work that's laid out and all the people that you come into contact with and the relationships that, that just blossom when you open those doors and you open your heart, that's all stepping towards like your higher self. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's exhausting and it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but it's the best thing I have ever done in my life. It's, it's, it's profound when you do it. And yet it's a lot of work and you can't let up on it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't let up on it. So then you're in New York, you're back trying to manage this thing, which mm-hmm. is, which is becoming unmanageable pretty quickly. Yeah. And, um, I know for me, when I was in my, my three or six years of relapse, whatever it was that I knew that there was that other side again, like yeah. I knew what I could feel that addict unhealthy self that I was sitting in didn't feel comfortable to me because I knew what was on the other side. Mm -hmm. And yet to make that decision to go back onto that side is so much harder than you think it's going to be. Oh my God. So you have like this beautiful story of, of what it was that opened that door for you. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful and it's tragic and um, it's just one of those things you know, I am, I'm just really grateful to be sitting here right now because mm-hmm. I have that clarity of, you know, there's, <laughs> I mean, I went, I went into that relapse with more, with a very innocent sort of voice in my head, you know, like, Oh, if it doesn't work, you, you'll get back out. Right. You know, And that is not the case at all. Once you, once, once for me, that is not the case. <laughs> once I opened that door, I was within a week, I was, you know, I was back to a very unhealthy way. And it was, um, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't, I only was hanging out with a few people. And, um, I, of course, the first time I, I, I drank was, you know, after work driving to 7-Eleven and I didn't want to give that power to anybody. So anybody could say, oh, you relapsed when you were with this person or you relapsed right. when you were with that person. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so, uh, and I'll just tell everybody, this is just what I'm doing now. And, um, it's strange. I remember my dear brother, my old, old sponsor telling me about how the spiritual, that's like that, oh, that heart connection, this, all that, the beautiful aspects of spirit and that could, the connect, the connection to, you know, whatever it is, uh, your higher power, it kind of, it becomes really diminished and almost immediately within the first couple of days, like, that mm, of using again yeah it yeah. was like a total disconnect interesting that i still had prior to that mm-hmm. you know 
I mean, it, I was in a bad way and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, but I still had that at least. It went right out the window so quick. And uh, I spent the next, you know, the next few weeks just kind of getting back into it. I closed off. I didn't, you know, I didn't call anybody that I should have called. I um, I was trying to tell myself that it was all right, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and, I, and I was doing a pretty good job of saying that it's, you know, it's all right. It's under control. You'll, yeah. you'll get through it. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's the scary thing is, you know, within probably, probably a month. Oh, so it was probably three weeks or yeah, something like that. <clears throat> I woke up in the morning after drinking all night and, um, you know, I was going through the process of like drinking the cans and putting them back in the box and throwing them out before anybody woke up or hiding them in the backpack underneath the Ooh, bed. That's a lot of work. And oh yeah, it's, it's, exa- it's exhausting. <laughs> I had definitely lost calories, uh, running out, out the door at five in the morning to throw the cans into the street trash. But, um, I woke up one morning and I had, I felt my whole body was stiff and my neck was really, really sore and my jaw was sore as if I was clenching on it all night. And those were like the clear physical signs of a seizure. Um, so I, I'm, I mean, I'm not positive cause I don't, you don't remember them, right. but I woke up with all those physical signs and I had been drinking in a way for the days leading up to it that, it seemed to okay. This might this makes sense. That that probably was a seizure, right? And of course, that was not enough. No. You know, I just chalked it up as like, all right, you got this. You know, that was like the the voice coming in. That kind of was is the same as the old voice. Like, you know, you'll you'll figure it out, right? And then you got the news that a really good friend of yours had died of a over of a of an overdose. Yep, a a so one of the only people that I had kind of been around and had been partying with and she was a phenomenal person and um yeah she had she had od and uh getting that was a that was a real that was that was a wake-up call that was a moment that um i just it was it was baffling to me because i you know i'd only chose a couple of people to like be drinking with and within the month, you know, it's like one of them, one of them dies. And, um, that it's just still kind of, it's hard to put into words the feelings that came from that, but get to the point of the switch happening. Um, couple, you know, I was at her funeral and I'd been drinking that day and, uh, I was, she has a beautiful baby and um I'm just not gonna use any any names just yeah. sort of the, you know but uh he's just this amazing little being this amazing little being of light and I was holding him and um looking into his eyes and he was looking right through me like a baby the baby stare that they see you and everything about you and mm-hmm. the you know yeah. And he was smiling and he was so beautiful. And um, I just thought about the amount of immense pain that he's going to feel, you know, and the things that will come, you know, the pain that's going to come from this loss for him. 
and he doesn't know it yet. Right. And he was smiling and he was just, oh my God. It was a moment where I just, my, my heart got swollen and I was, it was, that was it. This is my out. And, um, it was a really powerful shift. Yeah. And, um, you know, the month and a half before that had been miserable. It was not fun. The way that I had left off, the mentality that I had left with, and the partying that I was doing prior to getting sober, mm-hmm. it did not come back this time around. Like the that we were talking about the... It's like a... Oh, now I'm not going to remember the word for it, but like you just think that it's going to be so great. You know, it's like a fantasy. Yeah, that there's that that, know, that that this allure, this romantic allure, like oh, it's gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be working by the water for the summer. It's gonna be so much fun and yeah. see my people. No, not so much. Well, you, that, now you're drinking at night by yourself, hiding your cans. Yep, real fast. That happened really fast, and uh, it was just it, it wasn't it wasn't what it was. It was not what it was. And, you know, you hear all the people say, like, a belly full of booze and a head full of AA is always a bad time. And it is. It's a bad, it's a really <laughs> bad time. Yeah. You know? Recovery will ruin your drinking for you. It really does. <laughs> if you really do it, you know, you know, if you really try to work it the best you can in that moment and in that space and time, if you go back out, it is just going to be, it's, it's going to suck. <laughs> so looking in these little babies' eyes and... And realizing like where you were at and what you're doing and stepping back into the back into recovery. And and I think an important part of that moment, too, was it was it was like a door was open. I hadn't done any like I hadn't really hurt anybody at that point. Mm-hmm. This relapse hadn't ruined any relationships. It didn't ruin the relationship between me and my wife. It didn't really ruin it. Didn't you know, I didn't get arrested. I didn't go to jail. I didn't kill anybody in a drunk driving accident, you know, um, you know, it, but the, you know, the realization came through an extremely tragic and t- sad experience. But in that moment, it was like, this is my, this is my chance. This is my, this is it. I'm and, really done. And in my experience, like when you have that, when I have those heartfelt moments of, you know, if I didn't listen to that, I'd guarantee I'd probably be in jail within a week. Something else would have happened. Right. Something would have fallen apart. And, you know, if I ignored that call, um, I'm positive it would have been, you know, it wouldn't have been good. And those are those grace moments that if you look back on your life, you can you can really see the grace that's given to you by higher power of whatever your understanding is, you know, that 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 person who says the thing that 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 moment and you can step into it and open and see the door open and walk through it or you can just continue to have it get darker and harder and i that's exactly exactly it and i think you're only like you only get so many right of those chances of those moments of clarity of those opportunities to to take the shift and um you know it, it was it was just like, it was like a switch had gone off. It was like something, um, that was it. And, 
I I know at the deepest level of my heart, I would not be sitting here with you right now Mm -hmm. if I didn't listen to it. And, uh, that's a, it's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. I, I was saying earlier that I, I do feel like my going back out was part, I don't, I don't recommend a relapse. You know, it's not like I'm saying, Oh, if you're sober right now, you should go try a relapse. No, that's not it. But if, if you haven't really believed that, that this, something is a problem for you, whatever mm-hmm. your something is, if you haven't really had an honest with yourself that for like for me and for you, we can't drink. Yeah, we just nope. can't drink. And for other people, it's sugar. And for somebody else, it's porn. And for somebody else, it's shopping. And for yeah. someone else, it's, you know, whatever. If you haven't been honest about what that is. It will continue to hit you in the ass until until you realize, like, no, I I really have got to let that go. Yeah. And so, I I think I'm excited for you because you're still young. You're in your 30s and Ooh, 29. 29. Oh, <laughs> yes, you can be my son. Oh my god, since I'm 50. and you know you're you have this whole like I love you so much, and I, I just you. see the amazing human being that you are and I see so often in people and and in myself too that piece that's like that addiction can take that amazing sparkly human being that you are and just drag it down and throw it away and and we have to be so diligent to not let that happen to us and it and it is so sneaky Mm-hmm. so sneaky about how that crack opened up for you and it happens and that, that was like that's the point like no matter how small that voice is that was like well maybe you know you, you never tried to control it before so this it was the smallest little voice in my mind mm-hmm. that grew and shrank over the course of time and that just that little bit you know i had done my first step and I, you know, hi, I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. I know it, Mm -hmm. but there was still that little voice. that was like, you're an alcoholic, but who knows? Maybe, you know? Right. And it was real quiet, but then it got louder and louder. And, um, right sitting here right now, it's like, I was just thinking about this today for the first time. It's like the process has come full circle. It's like, there was, when I got to treatment that last time it was for health reasons and because I had alienated myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was my last, you know, last house on the road for right. me to go at the time. And, um, but there was something left. There was a, this piece that was left. And now, today, it feels like that circle has come, has fully gone around. That's amazing. And I know that, I mean, one of the things that's so exciting is you have so much, like you had a lot to lose this time. Oh, you had a lot to lose. You know, you're happily married. You, you know, have been working on your music. You've got like this sense of yourself. And, um, and I think that that is, can be really powerful to really take a look in that moment and say this, this friend of yours had this beautiful baby Mm -hmm. and addiction still got her. So 
do you want to lose that? And it, and it means that you've got to do the work. Yeah. You know, you have to, so you've got a sponsor again, you're back in your steps, um, writing the stuff down, writing it down and doing it, doing, doing it more thorough and more and doing it different than Mm -hmm. I did the last time. Yeah. And, um, that's one of those things too, like in a moment of clarity like that, it's like all that's so, when so you're so present with understanding what's at stake. Mm-hmm. So when that door opened up, it was like I could see everything that I still had. Right. And it was almost amazing that I hadn't lost any of these beautiful things that had come into my life from doing this and doing this work. Um, and I had this, there was an opportunity to get back to it before it just, you know, collapsed on before, itself. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you didn't have to hit a bottom in a way. It's like, it wasn't a bottom. It was like a, a clarity, a moment of clarity. Yeah. So you got to stick to it. Yeah, I know. And it's, um, it's, it, it really is a daily, a daily deal to, to stay in it. But I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your vulnerability and your honesty. And what I love about the rooms is when you hear somebody else that has something that you can relate to, you realize you're not alone. Yeah. You know, and so somebody listening is going to have a moment where that story relates to them or they know somebody has a story relates to them. And and the grace that I feel, the gratitude that your relapse was fairly short, mm-hmm. um, I'm so grateful for and that you came knocking on our door. Yes. You know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and um, and just the the. You know, we're in this together. We've got to do it together. And the other thing I heard you talk about was isolation, you know, mm-hmm. and how when we're in that place that we separate ourselves from the people around us, oh, yeah. we don't reach out for help. We no. don't, you know, say kind of what's really going on. And so, you know, just a reminder that we we can't and shouldn't have to do this on our own. Yeah. So thanks for letting me be part of your life. Thank you for letting me into your life. You guys really are your your family. Well, you're my family. So my and my 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 third son. Your third and oldest son. <laughs> shortest, but oldest. I don't know if you're the shortest. Are you the shortest? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm the shortest in the family, so I Eddie, still win. Anytime I walk up to anybody, I I, I check my am, am I taller. <laughs> it's a, just an automatic. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, if you would like to learn more about Recover Your Soul, I'd love for you to go check out my website. It's recoveryoursoul.net. Thank you for listening. And I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net, where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. 
When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.